You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. This is episode 12 of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger. Thanks so much for listening to the episode this week. I am really excited for this conversation because I have to tell you that we're going to be interviewing a guy by the name of Bob Kimball. Bob Kimball is one of the most energetic people that I have ever met in my life. You can probably tell there's a slight change in the tone of my voice at the moment because I'm doing my best to prepare you for the level of energy that you're going to be getting from Bob during this interview. And I'll say that it's a little on the high side, so I'm trying to just balance things out a little bit. Though... That's not exactly my natural pace, so let's just go ahead and go back to the way things were. Anyway, Bob Kimball has one hell of a past. If I've never met anyone that better personifies small moves than Bob, I can't name that person. Bob's entire life has been literally a sequence of small moves one after the other and He is so much better at articulating that step-by-step process when describing himself far more so than most of the people that I've had a chance to meet. Everybody out there, their lives are a series of small moves, but Bob is incredible at being able to articulate it in a way that's understandable and a way that people can sort of follow. When when you get into the interview, you'll understand what I mean. His career has followed that path. His personal life has followed that path. His parental life has followed that path. It's been an incredible path for Bob, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Bob and I met each other for the first time in 2002, uh, back when both of us were residing in the wonderful world of real estate. Um, I am no longer in that world, thank goodness for me, but Bob is, and he is still as successful as always. Bob and I do tend to reminisce just a smidgen about our time in the industry together, but he definitely is a great person to listen to talk. He He is, like I said earlier, he's got a level of energy that is just so infectious. It's shocking. I really hope that you guys enjoy this conversation and enjoy meeting Bob. Um, He has never been interviewed on a podcast before, and I think he did an incredible job as a guest. I really hope to push him to get get a little bit more into this scene. Without further ado, I bring you a good friend of mine. And one of the most amazing people that I've personally met, Mr. Bob Kimball. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, man. Um, So people were hearing in the introduction about sort of your past and sort of the path that you took through prior to your work in the real estate business and then transitioning into the real estate world. So exciting. It was just such an exciting (laughs) piece of information, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't want me to get to the laughing part already. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, so pe- people have kind of heard that background, but I, I, I want, I want them to sort of hear your your take on it. Okay. So you know, you, you know, you, you were doing other stuff professionally right. before you transitioned into real estate. You got into sort of like sale sales training yeah. side of the business. You worked through the association aspect of the real estate business, right. adv- advocacy, legislation, right. Stuff Leadership like on the local board, Lo- local and board. local and state, right? Well, I went on the board in the state. I was involved in state like committee work and that sort of, and activities. But then, in terms of uh, board leadership, it was strictly for the Baltimore board. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll I'll just kind of like give, give you the range for a second, just kind of give, okay. give people that are listening a little bit a little bit of the background to sort of weave the path. Okay. We'll so sort of go so for your listeners who are not yet asleep, uh, <laughs> me, uh, I started. Uh, what, what's really funny, and I, I think it's really true for a lot of people who got get into real estate, is that they. Um, I don't think any very few people start in real estate. Now, maybe now that's not so true. But when I started back in '95, I was 40 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was not just a second career. It was uh, it was a bunch of other things. I actually, uh, when I was in college in, at Towson University in the 1970s, well, you know, a long, long, long time ago, <laughs> when it was Towson State College. Um, at least, well, it was, at least it wasn't Towson State Teachers College. Yeah, yeah, it was after that, so I'm not quite that old. But um, <laughs> and and what was I was a mass communications major, and so we had a lot of uh, Baltimore radio people in there, and and so I had a chance to work in Baltimore radio uh, back in the '70s, which was an interesting time. Um, and then uh, when I graduated from Towson, got a chance to work for an organization called Junior Achievement, which is a nonprofit organization. And I went from Baltimore to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, to St. Louis, to Tucson, Arizona, to Jeez. Huntsville, Alabama, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good Lord. Between 1977 and 1989. And this was working on, at radio stations? No, this was working with Junior Achievement, oh, wow. that nonprofit, which is an economic education program that exists today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's like- much larger impact into uh Economic education is much greater than, than it was when I was there in terms of the number of, of young people it reaches. But that kind of got me through there. And so when I left uh, Junior Achievement, because I was tired of the nonprofit world, plus we lived so far away from our home base here in Baltimore, my wife was born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where were, you, where were you born and raised? I was born in Bethesda and, and okay. raised uh, in different parts of Maryland and Pennsylvania. And got it. Back to Maryland. Upper Marlboro. I was at Frederick Sasser Jr. Senior High. Yeah, it's a great idea to have six through twelve in <laughs> under one roof, and that, that was in Upper Marlboro. And uh, um, that in the seventies, that was an interesting time to be in Upper Marlboro, Frederick Sasser. Uh, Junior senior high, and then Frederick Douglass junior senior high. That ended up just being Frederick Douglass senior high in my eleventh grade. And this is going to be horribly interesting to your listeners. <laughs> so, at eleventh grade, my dad says we are moving out of Upper Marlboro and going to Westminster. And now, you're like, if, where? If I could be sent, hopefully, I'm kind of delicately covering why that's such a significant cultural change for a high school student. Mm-hmm. Is from eighth to eleventh grade, we lived. I lived in Upper Marlboro. And I was on the basketball team, mm-hmm. and I was one of three of my kind on the basketball team, you mm-hmm. know, tall and skinny. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and the deal was to, uh, if you could hit, if you could touch the rim, you'd have to slam the ball down, but if you could jump from underneath the basket and hit, you know, hold on to the rim, uh, that got you to at least be accepted to try out for the basketball team. <laughs> and uh, 
God help me if that was ever a, ch- uh, a challenge for me today, regardless of the fact that I can't even play basketball now. But, but I was able to do that. And so anyway, so I got involved with athletics. I got involved with some other things, activities in the school. And my dad tells me uh, we're moving to Westminster. And so I'm going from Upper Marlboro between my 11th and 12th grade. I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. That's, yeah. I've got all my friends here. And sure. he says, well, then you can stay, but we're moving. But we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and, uh, since we didn't live in a trailer home, I guess I better go with them. Yeah, so it's we like, here, here's your cardboard box, and we're going. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I went begrudgingly to Westminster High School. And, uh, and the school at that time, uh, it was 1973, was three years old. And so I went from a school that was just really a tobacco road school. I mean, they picked tobacco and played basketball in, in, in terms of most of the families that went to mm-hmm. that school. So to go to Westminster was, well, it was crazy. It was, yeah. it was completely cultural different. I mean, there were no doors on the classrooms. It was all very modern. Every, every hallway was carpeted. And it, it was, it was like a community college. It looked like to me. And I went, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't jump to conclusions. Maybe I should do this. So, mm-hmm. and I only bring all this up because I guess what got me to real estate was the fact that I was comfortable with going. I, I moved from place to place. I mm-hmm. did a lot of, I had a lot of change in my life. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an uncomfortable thing for me to do what, whether it was schoolwork or, or where I was living or, or even in, as we got into my occupational stuff, to have these kind of changes because I was doing it all my life. Yeah, you, were, you weren't an army brat, right. but, well, you, but you bopped around quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I, and I'm pretty sure I have found out since then that we were just staying away from staying ahead of creditors. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I my dad has passed in February, so I can get away with saying that you now. Can but ask, it, you can say but that I'm now. pretty <laughs> sure that it had something to do with that. But, but, but I had a great high school experience. I mean, we all have our personal challenges and things like that, but I think what what was really valuable to me to once I got to this point to get into real estate was that because of all those different environmental changes and experience changes, it really helped me kind of get into the fact that when, when we're going into real estate, there are a lot of people that are getting ready to go through a change. And, and for my wife, it was much more difficult. Just like I said, she's born and raised in Baltimore, went to Lock Raven High School. Their big trip was to Ocean City for a day. For a day. For the, yeah, like, for they didn't the, go for the weekend. Yeah. They went for the day because they're not spending money to spend spend the night. Stay the night, yeah. So like you're driving three hours, hanging out at the beach, and then coming home. And I'm making this woman not only move to St. Louis, but to have two children away from her family in St. Louis, you know, and it was uh, – and moved all these other places. And for her to have uh, uh, stuck with me after 37 years has been, you know, it's quite a task and, 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 and quite a testament to our kind of stick to Sure. But the greatest thing for me for real estate is the fact that I believe all those various jobs, whether it was working at Baltimore Radio, working for a nonprofit like Junior Achievement, I even right before I got into real estate, I was in the pest control business. Mm-hmm. Worked for J.C. Ehrlich Pest Control. I used to say in my seminar classes, I went from treating pests to becoming one, you know, in real estate. <laughs> but the point is, is all of those changes kind of led me to have a well-rounded background to to be, I think, fairly successful in this whole real estate gig, which mm. uh, has been custom made for my personality. I really think that. And sure. uh, so I've been in real estate for 23 years. And what, what was what was the switch that flipped you into the real estate business? What happened? Like when you um, get, when you were working for Ehrlich, yeah. when you got out of that and then got into the real estate business, right? Why? 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 Okay. Why? And then why real estate? There are. Right, so there, Jason, let me there turn were other. There, 
there were other fields. Yeah, let me turn yeah. that around on you, Jason. Um, what would lead you to go from whatever you're doing to killing bugs? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the question. Like, like, what would there have to go on in your life to stop whatever it is you're doing? Well, you know what would be better? is if I was killing bugs for a living. I mean, my family would be so proud. I would have, you know, and it's, you know, great money in pest control. I, yeah, I, so I've Just, heard, yes. No, I got I got laid off from I worked at Mills Communications in Westminster when I left junior achievement and came back to the Baltimore area in Westminster. They were a two way radio company and they were also doing this crazy thing called cell phones. They had uh, what's that? Yeah, I know it was it's all new. We had Cellular One was the name of the company that, that we were selling. Cell it was phones like oh those for. back those backpack things. Yeah, those right, backpacks right. I used to sell. The bag right. phones, right? Yeah, the bag phones, yeah, and. Um, but I right, so but three years of doing that was like from eighty nine to about ninety one, I guess it was. Maybe so it was two years, and and it just uh, the economic conditions were were starting to fall there, and uh, and so I got laid off from that job that I left after being with Junior Achievement so long, and and I figured I got I could sell just about anything, and so there was this pest control job, and I wasn't getting like a lot of hits on opportunities for my my what I thought were these great transferable skills in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, you know, people were going like, yeah, I, we don't even know what junior achievement is. And yeah. Nonprofit doesn't ever really go well with the term sales. Yeah, like you know, just those yeah. two phrases shouldn't be in the same area. So I think people were hesitant to do that. And I figured, well, if anything's going to be recession proof, it's going to be pest control because there's always going to be vermin, right? Fair there's point. always going to be yeah. bugs and things to kill and stuff. And frankly, frankly, the worse the economy gets, the worse the pest get because people start taking, yeah, taking yeah. less care of their property, and it's, taking less care. Yeah, it was crazy. And we, but it was kind of an interesting little. Tech, technician type job that I had because uh, I had great training and then but yeah so I was the bug killer didn't have to worry about what to wear every day because I had my light blue shirt my dark blue pants my white socks my steel toed boots and and that was my I never I had six of those six <laughs> sets of those and I would come home and my and my my family was so proud to have me dressed up <laughs> like the bug killer and uh, and of course I smelled so good I you know imagine. when I came home between the daddy you kill bugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, I yeah. love answering that question every night when I it come was, home. Uh, you know, and and. It was one of those things where I smell like diazinon, you know, when I came home. And I just swore I'd wear a T-shirt someday that said, hell no, we don't glow. You know, just because of all the chemicals I was around all the time. And... Uh, but so so getting into real estate, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, was already in real estate, and and she said, you know, with your personality and style, you'd be great. You're really good with people. You're kind of funny. You, you sure. Know, um, you, you'd really be good. And you could, looks like you could sell just about anything. So you should just why not give this a shot? Do this real estate thing. Got to try. But commission only scared the bejesus out of me. Sure. And, but. We tried it, and and I got into it. She was really a good mentor for me, and uh, started with a major broker in, in Baltimore, and then uh, uh, started part time. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, real estate's really never part time; it's no. dual career. Yeah, it's, I tell yeah. people now when I train, I say, "Yeah, just don't say part time because yeah. nobody wants to go to the part time dentist yeah. or the part time 
accountant or a part-time attorney, yeah. let alone a part-time real estate uh, agent. So yeah. it's uh, a dual career type situation. But it became quite obvious after I had my uh, first settlement, which was three months into it. I was very fortunate that uh, I was able to have my first settlement. My plan was, and the agreement I had with my account wife was that I would keep six months in the bank. Okay. And uh, once I had six months of expenses in the bank, then we could jump ship. And, and, and because it's commission only on a 30, 60, 90 days, well, really a 60, 90 days 60, cycle 90 before you get side, yeah. paid on anything, um, you know, we, we, would, we wouldn't be out on the street or not be able to pay the mortgage or whatever. And I said, okay, we'll do that. But here's the deal. And I told her, this was our deal. You can't ask me if I sold anything today. Like my, I had just know that I had the same sense of urgency that you have about paying this mortgage, mm-hmm. but I can't say no. I didn't sell anything to you. You got to. That's going to hurt. Just, yeah. just don't make me say that. So yeah. So I had. So that was well. Not thing. to not to mention when when you're in when you're in commission sales, a hundred percent commission sales. You're already getting that question by your boss. Right. You're already getting that question by the people in your office for for selfish or selfless reasons. You're always right. you're always getting that question. At, Anyway, and it's already degrading to begin with. Yeah. When you come home, just stop. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah, just, just please don't ask me because I just, I just, this is part of my own, you know, personality problem, I guess, is I just don't want to look like a failure. I don't want to look like I've, and I still have that. Frankly, I still have that. No one ever loses just, that. Just really just, you're a sociopath if, yeah, you ever, if you ever actually lose that. Yeah, yeah, I just, guess, yeah. I guess. But it's just, a, it's you know, it's an ego thing. It's a reputation thing. It's all because I want to have a successful, you know, mindset and a successful uh, delivery. I mean, like, you know, it's got to be real results in that respect. So, sure. um Sorry, so about three months, four months in, I got my first commission check, and it was like five grand. In fact, I remember telling a woman who I when I got, I said, "I want to take a picture." So I had the digital picture, which was a Sony box about oh radio. This is really good to put my hands up and show you what the box looks like. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's it's basically an eight by eight box is what the camera was. for everybody that's listening. Yeah. He's being very he's being very detailed in showing me what a square looks <laughs> yeah, like. This is a square, and it had this thing called a floppy disk. What's that? It, yeah, yeah. So it had something that looked like a post-it note that shoved in that that shoves into a computer. That, yeah. That, shove into it so um but anyway so i'm taking this picture and she says what are you doing i said well you're my first sale for for sale she said said, no i said no seriously you're you're the you're my very first customer in real estate she says well you're really good at this because had i known that i'd have never worked with you i said well boy you're much better to look good than to be good i I was gonna say yeah but she, she didn't believe me at first. It was almost like a backward compliment because she just had no idea that I was new to real estate. Mm-hmm. And I never gave her the impression that I was a novice. And you know, I never lied. I never did anything that wasn't appropriate or ethical. Or, uh, but I, you know, I, I presented myself in such a way because I had sold other things. Sure. And, and just, you know, it's not a fake it till you make it. It's about just kind of knowing what's important, being good at prioritizing. Sure. So training wasn't awesome for brand new people. I mean, my my sister-in-law was great, very patient with me. But, you know, most of the time in training, you get into a situation and you go, well, you should have done that that way. So, well, no one ever told me not to do that. So, well, we never thought of it. Now that we think of it from now on, don't do that. You know, (laughs) I had a bunch of those kinds of Yeah, that's a fantastic training model. Yeah. But when I got that $5,000 check, I went, well, that's more than two months salary for me from the other job. 
And I didn't work anywhere near as hard. Like, and that's what I tell my real estate brethren. As hard as our job is, and it is a hard It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. But there's way worse ways to make a living. Try spraying bugs and going after mass, mice and rats for a living. Mm-hmm. Then you'll realize that, you know, maybe I should just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just kind of. Just do, like, my, do my thing. You know, work the problems and yep. not create the problems. Yep. But put, the, your head, put your head down and do your thing. Yeah. And yeah. so. Um, so like so then I got my second check which was like three grand but I'm still you know in, in a in a five month period four five or six month period of time I've made eight grand on this quote unquote part time job mm-hmm. and going this is I if I could put my full time attention to this I'd be a gazillionaire I could be like Donald Trump. I mean like a, you know a rich person <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so now were you still working with. Ehrlich at the time initially, yeah, or were you Ehrlich doing something else? Like, covertly with Ehrlich, because Ehrlich, I had a contract that said you can't, it's, can you imagine? You can't move like, grand a year. That's all we ever made, ever. And that's all you were allowed to, yeah, like you can't, you're not allowed to move, like, doing anything, do anything else. else. Because you had to always be available on call because of the rat emergency somebody might have. <laughs> But yeah, but I, so I did it covertly, and then they found they actually discovered books in my backseat of my car, real estate books, and literally, I don't know, they must have had nothing to do during the day. And while I was out on calls, when I came back, they said, "What are the real estate books doing in your car?" And I said, "I read." <laughs> like you know, <laughs> but sure enough, I just my I told my wife, "Was like, what is what is this thing? Books? <laughs> what is this books? <laughs> yeah." yeah. So, so we got. Um, so I, but I made the decision that I was going to do this full time. So I, I could tell you the exact day I started full time in real estate. It was um, June, Friday the thirteenth, nineteen ninety six. That's when I started full time on a Friday. And I go, why are you starting on a Friday? You already got the weekend. I said, well, weekends are work days for real estate agents. Yeah. Number one and number two, I want to always remember this day that I started full time real estate because I'm going to be really good at this. And, and it was from there on that we just kind of moved on. And what I realized after about my second year in real estate is that every time somebody brand new was coming in, they were having the same frustrations I was having as to you know how to make this work. And, and I was in a very highly productive office with people who did real estate at a very high level and oftentimes don't have a lot of time to see who the new people are. Just yeah. commenting all the time, who are all these new faces? Like, where are these new people coming from? Yeah. Not a lot of time to chat. I don't know anybody anymore at the office because they're, you know, I get all these new faces. And so, and the new people were too intimidated because they saw these people busy and they weren't really doing much of anything. So they were starting to get their feelings hurt. And sure. So the bridge of the gap was why don't we come up with some kind of training program that allows new agents to get, after they've gotten their license, some absolute, absolutely practical perspective from experienced agents. So we came up with this matrix of schedules for, for experienced people and said, okay, so I want someone to talk about how to do a listing presentation. And uh, you're really good at listing, so would you kind of share what you do with these new agents? And j- just to back up, for people that are listening that aren't familiar with the industry, what is a listing presentation? So, Oh, great. Thank you. So a listing presentation from a real estate standpoint, of course, is when someone goes on an appointment to someone who wants to sell their house. And okay. look at to interview an agent to find out whether they are, if they're a good fit to be able to do the job. To list their house. Right. To Got list it. Them. Okay. Well, in reality, hopefully they want them to sell the house. Well, yeah. But yes, that's <laughs> what we call a listing appointment. Uh, I've shared with folks that we really should not call it listing appointment because it's a sales appointment because if all you do is list a house, you'll never make any money. Yeah, you'll actually, money. you'll actually lose money. Yeah, yeah, you'll spend money on it. So yeah. 
Um, but so I'd have agents in the office who were really strong at certain topics, have them present those topics to these people. And what was interesting, what happened organically, or it was the fact that the experienced agents got to meet the new people, so they felt more comfortable with the new people. The new people felt more comfortable with these experienced people and got really practical information that they weren't getting in licensing class. Yeah. So it, it really ended up being good, and, and so. So then I had other offices of my broker asking me to come teach their people. And I said, well, I'm a nice guy and everything. (laughs) If there's this need out there, uh, my business sense says that I should charge for this. Do that instead. And help you keep your new people longer and help them be productive quicker. Yeah. That has a a dollar value to it. That's where my seminar business idea started coming in because I realized that that uh, training and educating folks was something that I had a good background in and maybe this was an area that I could be really, really helpful and and feel also for myself that I was doing kind of the thing I was put on this earth to do. And you started in 97? Well, I started doing the training part in 97, 98. I, probably 98. Is so about a year and a year to two years after yeah, about you two years got into, into the industry. Yeah. Okay. That's when I decided to kind of do that on, on my own. And of course, the managers go, well, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be here because you're the reason we get all these new people coming here because I can tell them all this training you're doing. If you start doing this for other offices, you know, what's what's our value proposition? Yeah. So it's, okay, well, well, then I guess you'll that, pay me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I developed the seminar. Now, meanwhile, my son graduates from high school. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do, you know, like all parents try to do something special for their graduation gift. And he wants to go parachute jumping. Like he wants to jump out of a plane. And and I'm going, well, that's kind of interesting. And and my wife, coincidentally, in high school, she graduated from high school, joined the Navy Reserves, and she was a parachute rigger. Oh, God. So her job was to pack parachutes. Yeah, she's a packer. Yeah. And you know what they do when you pack your first chute? They make you jump out of a plane with, with your first shit. Now, there's the <laughs> ultimate quality control to me, right? So, so she jumps out. So she says, "Yeah, I, I jumped out of a plane. I don't need to do that again. I I was young and stupid. I'm not doing that now." <laughs> but I'm going. No, there's got to be a. But market. I've never done. Yeah, yeah. I've never done this. I have a fear of heights. This could be a huge marketing thing. Imagine if I'm wearing my broker shirt and I've hired a videographer to videotape all of this. I could put stuff like. Bob will go to any heights to sell your house. And, you know, I'm thinking of all these corny little ideas that could go with these pictures of me um, jumping out of a perfectly good plane. And, <laughs> and also prior to that, my uh, mother passed. She was uh, 68 years old, was a double amputee, double amputee from diabetes, so a very emotional type of thing. And, and it, it happened the previous August. This was uh, May the following year. Okay. So... So jumping out, so we go through these lessons. What's interesting is this is not with the little guy on my back. This is called static line jumping because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. They weren't going to let you jump by yourself. By yourself, one yeah. time because like you, you might. need some experience to do stuff, right? Yeah. So this was the compromise instead of having something on my back because I really wanted to have have a picture of just me, <laughs> you know, because it's just me. Sure. And uh, <laughs> my ego required that it was just that me it's just picture. you. Sure. So. Um, so, Today you could Photoshop out the other guy, yeah, yeah, but I then didn't know that in yeah, those days, right? yeah. So uh, <laughs> so this guy who looked like Moses is the one in charge of training me how to jump out of this plane, and uh, 
and it's it's like three hours. And um, so I go up into this perfectly good plane. We've got some video thing going on. In the video I find, I see afterwards, there's duct tape in the ceiling flapping from the breeze. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going up. And here's what I found out about myself. From the Back video. to the perfectly good airplane. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I'm in the vi- so, so on the video, you also notice, in fact, two things about me. When uh, in this video, I found out that when I'm really scared, I'm not really articulate. Because they asked me questions and I just sounded like Forrest Gump. I answered it was it was not pretty. The other thing is I'm not as funny when I'm that scared to death because mm. I'm going up. Because you go up in this plane, your answers are way shorter. Way shorter. And like how you do a Bob and put two thumbs up. Going, I'm great. Stop talking to me. <laughs> so. Uh, so we're going up, and when you look at a plane, when you're 3,500, 4,000 feet above above the Earth, it's a Google map. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's so incredible. surreal. Yeah. yeah. So it's not so scary as it is kind of crazy. It's like a like the craziest Disney ride ever. So we uh, so they open up the thing, and I get out, and there's a lot more to the story that I won't bore your those two listeners that are still listening. Um, I I won't uh, bore them with any more detail. But the fact is, I jump out of the plane, parachute obviously opened, okay, and all I could think of was my mom holding me up as I'm coming down to the earth. So it's just like I'm crying, and I'm thinking about all of this, and going how blessed I am, and how how great this life is that I even was able to afford to do this activity to kind of get. It wasn't called a bucket list in those days, but that's really what it was. Sure. And so when I landed, I said, so what do I ever have to be afraid of from this point forward? Because mm-hmm. I just jumped out of a perfectly good plane, perfectly good parachute, which I've never done before, and had the faith that that parachute would open and I wouldn't kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I landed and I said, you know, I've got nothing else to fear. So I'm never going to be afraid when I go on a listing appointment or if I'm working on a deal. And and so I called my seminar company, No Fear Real Estate, because of that experience, because it was made it quite obvious to me that most of our fear is just all self-contrived. Oh, We've absolutely. kind of built it up in our heads on our own. Absolutely. And uh, so that's where the No Fear Real Estate seminar business came from. And then we just start, I just started getting hired left to right to do things because I was teaching like the ethics course in real estate. There's continuing ed courses that are required by all licensees every two years. It's a two-year cycle. There's 15 hours and mm. a three-hour class is three credits and an hour and a half class is an hour and a half credits. So it's not – ethics is one of those they have to take every two years. Okay. What's funny is the national requirement is every four years, but in Maryland it's every two. I don't know if that says anything about, about Maryland, yeah. brethren, but uh, – but, What's funny is I remember teaching a class and, and I had, so I've asked people, so how many times have you taken the ethics class? And I generally ask that class or ask that question all the time. And I remember it was like a class of about 25 people in this particular instance. And there's a guy who held up his hand and said, so how many have you taken it 10 times? How many have you taken it 15 times? You know, some more hands drop. And, and it's, my goal is to find out who's been, who's taken it the most times. Mm-hmm. This guy had taken, this was his 28th time taking the ethics class. That's how long he's been in real estate, right? And I went, wow. And I bet it's really changed a lot since you first started. (laughs) And he's going, yeah, just go. Just don't ask me any questions. Let's just, like, get this over with. He's like, I'm here. I'm good. Do your thing. And where I started getting a a decent following or a decent uh, reaction from the class I was teaching is that I, I come from the standpoint that I take my job seriously, but I do not take myself seriously. Just life is too short not to have some fun, have a laugh, and 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 oh, it's okay for you even at my own expense to 
to have the self-deprecating type humor to to allow points to be made because I'm I'm okay with that. And, mm-hmm. and so what I found when I teach the class like ethics is people's expectations are so low going in because mm-hmm. they just expect it to be so boring because they've heard this over and over and over again, a lot of the same kind of material, that if I'm just a little bit interesting or a little bit funny, it's a home run. How much, how much does that transla- translate to the rest of life, though? Because oh, yeah. like when, when you go into the grocery store, the, like what you expect from the cashier, what you yeah. expect from the customer service rep on the phone when you call and bitch that, that your Amazon order wasn't right. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever it is, like the, you know, the, gr- the, girl that's, the girl that's your waitress at the restaurant who's you can clearly tell is on hour 12 right. of her shift right now. Like what, how much do you come to expect? Like it doesn't take much. To stand out, well, like the, the difference, the well, difference between the difference between a memorable experience and an uh, and a uh, an experience that you'll remember forever is very small. Like that mm-hmm. difference is very small. I mean, that, that's I mean, that's at least been my experience with with different things. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Pardon me, I get very choked up when you talk about me. Um, <laughs> but, you know what. What's interesting, though, is I've had so many people say, you know, we, we really enjoyed your class because you made it fun. You made this topic go by really quickly. And I said, well, that's great. But here's the thing. What did you take away from it? Like, did you get any new information? Did you find something that you didn't know before? And all, fortunately for me, when you ask a question, you should kind of already expect what that answer is going to be. Hopefully. And generally speaking, people have said, yeah, no, it's been great. And here's what I learned. In fact, I try to do that in the classes. I said, well, then you've got to take action because if education without action is entertainment. Yeah. And so I'm glad I entertained you. But if it doesn't change you or it doesn't help you be better at what you do, mm-hmm. then it was just a show business. Yeah. And I've, I've mentioned that I've mentioned that to the audience before. Oh, have you? In, in that in that the, my my, fa- my favorite podcast and someone that I'm a borderline evangelical follow of is is an author named Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the four hour work week, the four hour body, the four hour chef. He's got a killer blog, a killer podcast. I read everything. I'm a absolute diehard fan and his podcast is incredible he's entrenched in silicon valley like friends who are you know friends are billionaire tech moguls like people that have started some of the most incredible companies in the world today and he interviews these people on his podcast and being a diehard fan i listen to every episode every minute of every episode and at one point after listening to his show for like maybe a year and a half i started to realize I'm not getting anything out of these conversations because the, here's me working in Baltimore, running a delivery business, running a small delivery business, you know, married, living in the suburbs with my, at the time, one kid you know, and now two, Mike, and I'm hearing an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Peter Thiel, who's you know one of the first outside invest, the first outside investor in Facebook, and Naval Ravikant, one of the most successful angel investors in the history of the planet, and Tony Robbins, and but and and now Bob Kimball, and now it's like and now and now Bob Kimball, it's like you can see you can see how my world is just, wow, expa- just, how just expand, expanded, <laughs> and you know, and I and I and I said to people, I'm like after a while, I just started to realize. I'm just getting the entertainment value out of this. I can connect no dots between myself 
and the first outside investor of Facebook. Mm-hmm. I can't connect myself to a billionaire. There's no way to connect the dots. Like there, there's no way to connect the dots. There's no path that I see from where I am to where these people are. And the 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 context that it requires to uh, to be able to take something out of conversations like that and actually use it effectively, the, just it's not there. The context isn't there. So but, I mean, but, that's where the concept of the podcast came from. It was like, wait a second, stop. How do I get from zero to one? Get me from zero to one. Nobody talks about how to get to zero to one. That's something that I find interesting about what you were talking about in the real estate business. It's like if you were coming, if you're a brand new agent coming into an office and you've got a $50 million producer over there in the corner office that's buzzing around like a bee with their team of six people that is all going nuts, that's great to see. But who the hell is that person over in the corner that seems to be busy as hell all day? What's she doing? Like what was like that that guy's on the phone the entire day. Who's he talking to? Right. Like it just nobody talks about connecting those dots for for people that are new into something. So I mean for for somebody forget about real estate for a second. Like so for people that are going through, it sounds like that aside from the fact that your current forte really is within the realm of the real estate business, stepping back it seems more that your expertise is really managed change. At least that's what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, going all the way back, going all the way back, I would say all the way back to high school, but even before high school, because mm-hmm. you were bopping all, you were bopping all around, which is not an easy process for for any kid. Right. So it started there, and what I what I find so interesting is that you're a relatively well adjusted adult, <laughs> having gone. I don't through, appreciate the quote marks, you know, the air quotes. <laughs> the, but the, I mean, that's where it seems like your strength yeah. is to me. Is is that that because that that's a process that could be crushing to a young kid. It could be crushing to an adult with children. It's like, oh my god, I have to change my. It's it's far more common these days, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. That you know, adults will change jobs, change careers more frequently. And when you get into the more younger generations, the Gen Xers and Millennials, and so on, job changing is like changing your coffee mug. Right, right. But really, that hasn't been the case for a very long time. Like if you change, if you change, if you had to change jobs, go back, go back ten years, go back ten, fifteen years. Right. If you had to change jobs, oh, what's wrong? Or, oh, there's something wrong with you. Right. Like, and really the problem was always you. You know, like, or it always, like, that was the stigma. It's like, well, what's wrong with you? Right. But versus the situation. Versus the actual situation. And And it's true. My real estate, too, because I've been to different real estate brokers because of either opportunities or or situations I had no control of. Mm -hmm. And um, buyouts, mergers, so on, sure. Right. And, And, you know, and now I'm, I guess I'm in real estate, but I'm not a realtor. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a licensed real estate agent in a referral company, but I'm now with a mortgage company called Guaranteed Rate. And that's something completely different. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, I'm now 61 years old, be Mm -hmm. 62 in a couple of months. And, and I'm now going through another change. And it's, um, it's interesting because, to be honest with you, when they first approached me, they said, so um, they, considering, you know, what do you think about our company? I said, well, I don't really think about 
I'm not thinking like about guaranteed your rate sounded like a name of a program, not a name of a company. Sure. And no offense. And and I said, but if you're thinking about me being a loan officer, I'll just sell real estate because I kind of know how that is. I know that. Game. And I sure. don't want to have to learn. I'm too stinking old to learn something else. And the guy says, well, you know, it's interesting you say that because uh, we don't want you to be a lender either because you're too stinking old. And I... I, I just said that. You, you can't say that. You, can, you, can, you can't steal that line. <laughs> but, that's you know, my but the, line. But the point is, is he was saying, that's not what we wanted you to do. We just, we know you know a lot of real estate agents and a lot of real estate agents know you. And if you believe our company has value, and that's where he kind of sold to me, you know, what the value proposition and the distinctions the guaranteed rate has being the fifth largest lender in the country, but relatively new to Baltimore, you know, what... You know, what was the distinction they were going to have? Because let's face it, real estate agents know a lot of lenders. They sure. already have lenders. There's, I, a few, I, there's a few in the market already. And when yeah. I was selling real estate, yeah. I had a lender. I mean, generally they tell you have three mm-hmm. of everything. That way you can't get in trouble if somebody messes up. Yep. Because we're always so can't blame happy, you. Yep. right? But I was one of those rare agents who I had a lender, I had a title company, like one of each of everything, home inspector, termite inspector, all of those. And um, and the reason I did that is this was my transaction team. And I say to everybody, you can use whoever you want. You don't have to use my list. But if you're asking me who I recommend, these are people who I have a relationship with, not financially, Service-wise, they share my sense of urgency on customer service. And if you can deal with the fact that they're human beings, if you understand that frailty that they have, please know that they'll go out of their way to make this a good experience for you. And I always had meetings in November and December with each one of those vendors, each one of those people who helped were on my transaction team. I paid for lunch. I didn't make them buy me lunch for the holidays. I did that with the whole intent of saying, how do we do this year? How can we make it better next year? And by the way, thank you for sticking with me. And let me tell you, whenever I had one of those areas where I needed something done that wasn't normally uh, allowed. Oh, for example, the title company, you're supposed to bring a certified check with you, a bank check. And there are rare occasions that someone forget, oh my gosh, all I got is a checkbook. Well, because that title company and my relationship was such, they took that personal check. Mm-hmm. Because they they knew that I would not be dealing with someone who wasn't going to be good for it, and it was it was probably not a safe or even appropriate thing to do. Not an illegal, but just from a from a business practice sure. standpoint, probably not the best idea. It was like, should we take a personal check for one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars from but, a person well, I met today? Yeah, it was. Excuse me, it was whatever. never it was never that much, but it sure. was. I mean, yeah. But you know, but it was a few thousand dollars, oftentimes, and and. Um, and never once did a check bounce. It never once happened. Now, I guess if I'd done it long enough, it might have happened. Eventually, it had gotten bad, sure. But, but my point is, is when I started making it about the relationship, mm-hmm. that's when this business really started helping me. And, and, and that's where I think I became even more effective as a trainer and educator, too. And so back to my original point about being making this change with guaranteed rate, it's about the relationship. <coughs> And me, all I have to do is introduce to people this company that if I was a real estate agent, I'd be willing to take the risk to try. Let's be honest. There's so many things that fall apart in real estate transactions now as it is. Sure. Why would a real estate agent want to make a change in the lender when that's like one of the single most important parts of it, right? Sure. And, and to, to make that change would be a huge risk. Mm-hmm. Why would anyone want to risk a commission check on the possibility that because Bob's a nice guy mm-hmm. that, that we'll just use his mortgage company I've never heard of? Sure. But what I can say to them is, look, I promise you, 
that this is, although we got human beings, this is a system that makes sense in today's real estate world. Mm. And we have lenders on staff and our branch managers who I uh, help directly, uh, Josh Promless, who's uh, who's uh, our branch manager here, our branch VP. And he's, and I said, he and I have already had this conversation. If I tell real estate agents, this is what we're going to do, we're going to make sure that happens. I'm never going to be let down. Sure. Other than we got human beings involved in this process. It's Whatever a, we said we're going to do, we're going to do. And so that's kind of where I am with this entrepreneurial opportunity here. And I get to introduce to agents a great mortgage company that's worth the risk to try. Mm. I get to still do all the training because they want me in front that's of part real of, estate you're, That's your thing. Time, yeah, that's your DNA. Yeah. And then I also get to do like happy hours and events and, and I'm, I'm training at the GBBR fair. That'll be October 19th down in Baltimore at the Martins West and teach an agency class. I'm really excited about that. So this is like my wheelhouse. Sure. And I'm so sure. excited. And I didn't mean to go on with that, but I, I just think it's important to kind of see the full circle of where we've gone. What I, what I find, what I find interesting about what you just said, it, it harkens back to episode eight of the show where I interviewed uh, my buddy Arvin Boudrum and he talked about sort of his 30 day challenge that he likes to experiment with new things with. Mm -hmm. And, but one of the things that's most important to him when trying to, figure out new things to do or new things to try or frankly just things that you're thrust into without having control of it is to kind of develop a tribe like develop mm -hmm. develop sort of the people that are around you that are like-minded right. that can kind of help you get through that process like it sounds like it sounds like that what like when you were shifting around school? You know, when yeah. you were shifting schools when you were younger, it doesn't sound like that was necessarily the case because it wasn't like you could go up to your best friend in Upper right. Marlboro and say, "Hey, we're moving to Westminster. You want to come with me?" Like yeah. it's not like you could do. Well, it was that. a girlfriend, but that's another. Well, another that's, story. that's a different. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, so speak to that for a second. Like the whether whether it be specifically the people that you found sort of in that team within the real estate world, or just. Frankly, the people that you choose to keep around you in your life when you're when you're doing different things, like how do for for people that are listening, like start there with some small moves that they can start doing. Like if you're like if you're going through either a career change or you're trying to even if it's whether it be career related or whether it just be personal. Like I I want to go out and jump out of a plane for the first time in my life, and yeah. I'm he's like I'm 48 years old yeah. and I want to do this for the first time. He's like. How do, how do you go through the process of figuring out who the hell you want to keep around you? Because some people, frankly, would have been badgering you so much about the idea of jumping out of that plane. They would you you would have locked up because right. their criticism would have been so grating that you just wouldn't have been able to finally do it. But you surrounded yourself with people that clearly didn't think you were that nuts to the point where they would. You're giving Think me that it's way gonna... more credit than I deserve. Fair. Way more credit. Well, Thank you. Well, You're very nice. You're a good friend. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> well, I'm not that smart. Well. To be honest with you, I'm not that smart. Sure. But I am spiritually connected. Okay. And so I kind of read in people, the folks who I think are, have the most positive uh, mirroring, okay. the most positive uh, influence for me, those are the people I kind of hang around with. And the people who are negative, who can't find the sun light anywhere can't find you know something to feel good about uh, uh they're not in my life mm -hmm. and um i don't want to get all weird about it but it's just you know that spiritual connection 
uh, particularly since my mom has passed, I think is where I made the greatest change in how I kind of, as you referred to, kept the tribe with me. And look, there are plenty of people who who are have great difficulty with my personality because they think I'm I have no filter. I don't. Uh, I'm a little bit too hyper. Well, you're, well, you're very shy. As yeah, the, as the and, listeners and, you know, are here, I yeah. find it very hard to break out of my shell. But I try, you know. And and uh, <laughs> but the fact is, is I enjoy life. I enjoy. I, I'm so blessed. I have so many good things to be uh, uh, grateful for. And uh, and I, you know, like I said, I've been married 37 years. I got two kids. I got. Three grandchildren with two on the way, one coming in December, one co- another one coming in February. So I'm on five grandchildren by in just a few more months. And uh, both my kids are, are doing a great job with their lives, raising a great family and being independent. And kind of what God put us on the earth for to be as parents is to have our kids kind of be that way. And, and I get to – with the grandkids, I get to – Give them money and feed them sugar and 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 tell them stuff that all I the great never things that to my all the great things that fun. us as us and, as parents of young children love yeah, when the grandparents yeah, do yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, and, but you know and, and try to compete for Mimi my wife who seems to be the favorite of all the grandchildren so I work really hard to sell how how she's really mean to me all the time and then you know <laughs> which none of them believe of course but the point is is, is that's kind of my not my mantra, but that's my approach to life is, is to find ways to, to be a positive influence on other people, to have a chance to, to help people just feel better today. And, okay. and that's really kind of all we can control. With all the recent events in life, it's real obvious we have no control over what's going to happen of circumstances around us. Yeah. So all we could do is be the best person we are today. And, and whether you're, you're selling real estate or trying to develop a mortgage business or doing a delivery business, I mean, whatever those things are, make today the best and most productive day it can be and make a difference in somebody else's life. And that might be as simple as saying thank you mm-hmm. and, and, or acknowledging someone for, 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 that, for what they've done, their effort, no matter how minuscule, no matter how, uh, how much people are, are, go over uh, some folks who – like clean bathrooms for a living or waitresses or, or do dry cleaning. It's amazing how powerful a thank you can be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my other suggestion to folks is, is when someone thanks you, say you're welcome. Like don't say no big deal. I do that for other people. Like we have to be better thanks takers. That's, you know, a, great, we have that's, a, that's a great point. We have to be better yeah. thanks takers because if we don't say you're welcome or say it's no big deal when someone says thank you, that's like when you – have you ever given a gift to a small child that you picked out and they wrap, unwrap it, they look at it, and they toss it aside to go to the next gift? Like they don't really acknowledge the gift at all. And, of course, it's a kid, so how bad can you feel? But, you know, you really would like to have gotten their eyes be bright. You know, yeah. Like, that special Christmas moment or Hanukkah mm-hmm. moment where they open up a gift and, and, and they, they're they real excited about what they got. Like mm-hmm. when we got Xbox or something like, oh, holy cow, this is great. Yeah. And the same thing is true with a thank you. If we just kind of toss aside, hey, that's no big deal. I do that for everyone. No, it's nothing special. Well, now we've said their thank you is not a big deal. We mm-hmm. basically toss that gift aside. And that they're not special. Yeah. And, and, it's like well, they're not special. The yeah. fact that they took the time to acknowledge you wasn't appreciated. Yeah. So so to me, that's it's a nad. It's not a big deal. It's not going to change the real estate world. It's not going to change the business world. But in terms of my focus, my approach, it's it's that kind of thing that I think helps build what we need more of around here. And that's respect, uh, a little bit of fun, 
some appreciation and um, and a real acknowledgement that we don't have control of our lives. There's a lot greater forces, whatever they are, around us. And we should just be grateful for the day and grateful for the opportunity like I have with just having our friendship. And, mm-hmm. and, and we, it's it's not like we see each other every week. We sure. haven't seen each other in a very long time. Yeah, probably. But we yeah. haven't lost a beat in, yeah. in being able to talk. And that's yeah. – see, those are the moments that I think have the greatest resiliency. And uh, without getting too philosophical about it, I think that's part of my tribe having the right vibe. Right. So, uh, without sounding horribly corny. And, spe- and speaking of, speaking of your tribe, your tri- you don't get any closer tribe than your than your immediate family. Right. Thirty seven years into marriage, how the hell have you been able to make a marriage work for thirty seven years? My wife drinks. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Now she could never hear this. So. But you know, you'll see. I have them on my calendar. They're in my office, and it's uh, um, what uh, never say die. That's kind of how it works. It's not been perfect. It's uh, uh, we we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of value out of this is us <laughs> watching that together. Going, you know, that's you. No, no, that's you. Like we're pointing at different characters at different times. <laughs> but you know, the fact is, is it's a never quit. Like just uh, do the best you can with what you have, and understand that your intentions are always to make it work. Like quitting and and not making it work is never never an option. Yeah, and and set and setting setting the right expectations in any relationship is is a big part of that as well. I know one one thing that I always found intriguing about you when I was still in the business of way back when was your little Friday routine. Mm-hmm. Taking Fridays for, off. Yeah, yeah. For, for the and it, it sound it sounds sim, it sounds simple because for anybody that's listening to this that might have a nine to five job or be have experience with nine to five jobs. It's like, well, of course, of course you take off, you have your weekend. That's, you know, you take off, you turn off your computer, you, and you go home and you come back on Monday morning. Understand that that's not the way it is for people that are, that are in the real estate business. So for people that are listening, that aren't familiar with the business, explain, explain that, explain that. Why, why, why specifically Fridays if it happened? Yeah. yeah. And then what, and why did you, why did you do that? And how was that taken by, Clients. And oh, it was great. It was great how the different reaction to it was. So, so what Jason's referred to is is the fact that when I was teaching a time management class, what I've explained to folks is that real estate agents are their own worst enemy because they think they have to be available seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. Because if they're not, a client will just go to somebody else who's willing to take their business. And and so my perspective on that is that's hogwash. I mean, it's just not true. I never had a client quit on me because I wasn't available at at the second that they called. Now I understand that there's times have changed and there's some people who expect response immediately. And and I would have an automatic responder that says, look, I can't get to you right now, but I'll call you back. And whenever I work with a client, I said to him, look, I, I took Friday off. So let me share with you why it was Friday. So I'm in the real estate business. Well, obviously, if any, you don't have to know much about real estate to figure out the prime time is Saturday and Sunday. Weekend. That's sure. when people are off. The nine yeah. to five people are off on Saturday and Sunday. So and that's when they're shopping for houses. Looking for a new home. That's Those are the days they most. So I had to work Saturday and Sunday. I still went to church in the morning, but I, you know, in the afternoon did open house. And I, in the early days, I'd do four open houses a weekend. In fact, I really didn't do much church work in the the early days because I just felt I needed to do this because, again, my wife could never ask me if I sold something today. So I need to make sure (laughs) there was no question I was doing stuff. So, 
So I did take off Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday, well, in my mind, that would be the day I'd write up all this business I did From all weekend. Saturday, right? Sunday, so yeah. Monday would not be a good day to take off. Tuesday was meeting day, whether it, whether it was the uh, office sales meeting or if it was a meeting at the board, because I was one of those early on in my career that realized that networking with other agents was a very powerful way to be successful at real estate, not only being able to watch how other people work, but to be honest with you, I think I'm a better parent knowing absolutely nothing about parenting from how my parents raised me, which was not great. So I didn't know what to do. I just knew what not to do. Not to do. And I think real estate experience is the same way. I used to tell agents all the time, don't worry about finding the best ones, although that's really helpful to you. But be really observant of the ones you don't want to be like. You don't want to talk like them. You don't want to act like them. Because believe it or not, there are some people who think real estate agents are all up in their own business and all full of themselves. I know and, I know nobody that yeah, has I can't that imagine of any yeah. realtor that's like that. But, you know, um, <laughs> but the point is, is so I – so I, I, I encourage people to get involved with the board early on, uh, be on a committee or something, just because real estate agents are going to work together way longer than individual clients will work with agents. You know? sure. So so I want to, and, and what was really helpful is, is people got to know who I was and the kind of person I was. They knew if they got a transaction, if they were getting a transaction with me, there were going to be no problems, whether I was the listing agent or was bringing a buyer to the table. They knew that my style was well, – I mean, I was teaching this so bad. I'd be a horrible hypocrite if I was not like a good guy and a professional sure. in doing this job. So so Tuesdays was meeting day. Wednesday is broker's open day. That's free lunch day. That's when we get to go to broker's open. So that's why I have to buy lunch. One of, one, of the fr- one, of the free, one of the few free <laughs> nice benefits yeah. of being in the business happen on Wednesday. So you so. real estate agents out there or people who are thinking about selling their house think you're not supposed to have food at the broker's open because nobody comes to eat it. You're, you're wrong. You just need to advertise better but you're having, and have crab cakes. They'll come in droves, I promise you. <laughs> and they might even like your house. But uh, so, so that's why I didn't pick Wednesday. Thursday would just be a boring day off. Like that would be a dumb day. What happens on so Thursday? So I just picked Friday. Okay, because Friday was close to the weekend, and so what I would do is I told my manager, told everybody office, Friday's my day off. Don't book me. Don't plan on me being here. I won't be here on Friday. I told my clients. Now, by the way, I take Fridays off. Is that a problem? Guess what their answer always was: one hundred percent. No, not a problem. Sure, <laughs> and. And so I would. And they off. said no, probably because you told them. I told them I ahead of time. Off on Friday. And by yeah. the way, everybody gets a day off. Yeah. I mean, again, not to get religious about it, but God made the planet, if you believe that to be true, in six days, and He took a day off. We call it the Sabbath. A lot of religious call that day off Sabbath. Yeah. Now I know there are plenty of real estate agents who think they're better than God. <laughs> or think they are God, but it's just not. You know, it's so it's not actually true. You, but you still get either way. You get a day off. You know? so, so, so that's kind of my thought about the whole day off thing. And what was funny is every so often the last day of the month would come on a Friday. And you know what? I might make an exception. Sure. <laughs> if it was about getting the check, I know that sounds very. Selfish, selfish or whatever, stuff. but sure. but there were times where I said, you know, I'm I can't do the thirtieth. Can we do the 29th or twenty eighth? And almost always they were okay with that. Mm. So it's it's interesting how oftentimes we just project what we think people are thinking, so they think it. If we'd stop doing that, like if we'd be as dumb as I am and just assume that people will work with your schedule because. You've set because those expectations. That's, that's your schedule. Well, sure. They're going to be okay with that. Yeah. And so I never really had any problem 
Except on those rare times I actually worked on Friday, because then when I went into the office, people go, "Oh, Mr. Friday off's coming to work. Boy, must be check. He must be getting a check today." And it was it was just kind of funny because yeah. everybody knew it. And, yeah, and, and it, it I came. I, lo- I like the I like your point about how it just we 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 mirror our own insecurities right. onto the rest onto the rest of the population when frankly. They could really give a damn, and just he's right. off Fridays. Okay, great. Bob's off Fridays. Um, what else can we do? Like, yeah. he's like, what's on TV today? Who cares? And just right. the, like our our insecure, like our own insecurities are what informs so many. Well, it's about stating your words too. Sometimes I didn't say I was off on Fridays. I just said I wasn't available on Fridays. Okay, which for some people that means something different. It means something different. That's a good point. Whatever. <laughs> like, like okay. I, have, I have whatever meetings. works for you. I'm good. I have meetings all day Friday. I, I have can't to say for, that. Or I just said I'm not just, available. On oh, but I'm I'm saying what they yeah. they can internalize. Like, right. oh, he has meetings all day Fridays. Yeah. He wow. has the, yeah. He must be a big deal. You know yeah. what? We're really lucky to have him as our real estate agent. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of how how that worked. But it's uh, but again, it all comes back to being respectful of people, and um, you know, I find that. This whole projecting is part of the problem with most human beings is we just assume people think like we do. Mm. When I teach the ethics class, one of the basic premises of how the code of ethics of any occupation that's come up with, it's pretty much based on the golden rule, which is treat others as... As you would have them treat unto you. Right. Treat others as you want to be treated, which if you've ever been married... Or if you've ever raised a teenager, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> you can't treat others as you want to be treated. My wife is an accountant, bookkeeper type personality. And if you know anything about me, you know I am not that. You're not that. <laughs> I am the exact opposite of that. If I treat her as I want to be treated, it's never going to work. Yeah. yeah, we're having but, a different conversation. <laughs> so it, Right. So in real estate, where we love to do upgrades, we have to upgrade the golden rule to the platinum rule. And the platinum rule says, treat others as they want to be treated. Mm. And the challenge of treating others as they want to be treated is is it requires more energy and 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 a need to want to do that. Like you have to want to treat others as they want. I have to to explore how it is you want to be treated because I want to make sure you're comfortable in this relationship. Mm. If it's about me, I'm going to treat you as I want to be treated because you've got to either like me or don't like me. That's up to you. Yeah. But if I truly want a relationship opportunity, I've got to dig deeper to find out how it is you want to be treated. What makes you mad? Not when you're mad, when you're not mad yeah. is the best time to ask somebody to what look, makes you mad. What's going to make you mad. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's the best way to deal how what's the best way to communicate with you? You might say, I want you to text me. Perfect example of this. My son, or my wife calls me and says, Your we got your son. Uh, hasn't returned. Hasn't returned my call. I said, "You mean our son? But why is it my son when you're mad now, at him? It's now, my it's, son. now it's your son. Your <laughs> son. I have left not one but two messages on his cell phone, and he hasn't called me back. And I said, "Would you text him? I'm his mother. I don't need to text him. He should know to call me back." And then I did the stupidest thing, Jason, you've ever. I texted him in front of her, and all I texted was, "Call your mother." And within three seconds, he <laughs> called her. Now she's pissed at me. She is so mad at me. Because you, it was like, because, goes, because you speak your son's yeah, language. And she's pissed at you. Hello. And, and I, I, I can hear my son going, yeah, what's up? He says, I've left you voicemail messages. And I hear him say to her, mom, I don't even check voicemail. Like, don't ever leave a voicemail message. It's best to just text me. I'll call you right back or I'll text you that I can't. 
<laughs> and and my point is is I haven't checked voicemail in so, seven years. So she can continue. <laughs> she can continue to treat her as she wants to treat him as she wants to be treated, and not get the call back. Mm-hmm. Or can decide Ever, probably. My goal <laughs> is to make sure we communicate. So I'm gonna I'm gonna text you, even though I don't like to do texts. <laughs> and and so. So the point is, is if I go out of my way to find out from you as a customer, potential customer, what's the best way to communicate with? And you say, call me. I never use the stinking text or don't leave a voicemail or email me or, or, or use this. You know, this thing on my cell phone has this app. It's called Telephone. It's a whole new app. It's really inconvenient. Oh, did you that, have to did like that, dial numbers? Did that come out with the new iOS? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole, yeah, it's really, like, right. it's like it's a phone. It's like the is whole thing is crazy. F F O F O A F O A N. If I okay, So so you know when you treat others as they want to be treated, you increase your chances of that relationship at least having a chance to be successful. And now it does take energy. It does take. Like I said, you have to want to know that about the other person. Mm-hmm. But when you take that time, I think that's when you increase your chances of success. Because uh, we're not married thirty-seven years if I treat her as I want to be treated, or sure. vice versa. Sure. And and we, you know, we want it to work. We want it to get along. And same with kids, teenagers in particular. You gotta you gotta meet them at their level if you're going to have that communication to take place. And not to mention, I mean, we talk about a, a great way to attract a tribe. What better way to attract a tribe than to Talk to somebody like you're talking to somebody across the table, and you legitimately understand that person. You understand what makes them mad. You understand how they like to communicate. You understand what they like, what they don't like. At least today, today, because yeah, sure. that could change. It right? could change. Of course, it could change. But but, but if odds are to. odds are that person across the table has ten friends of theirs that are exactly like them or similar enough to the point where they know. It's like, hey, this is a this is a guy that gets us, right? You know, this is a guy that understands us. If you, if you're in sales, which in your case you were, right. it's like if you're in sales, it's like that 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 person that's across the table from you is going to be much more comfortable telling people about you, right? Or if it's a social situation, that's a person that 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 I'm going to be much more comfortable inviting them and a plus one mm-hmm. to something that I'm having in my house or whatever it might be. And that's how you grow your tribe. Like these, right. are, these are the people that you understand. These are the people that, because they know that you understand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. I like that. Good. Don't steal it. Don't put it in your book. No, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I, might, I might put it in the podcast. <laughs> okay. okay. It's like, it might be in the podcast. No, but no, but I think that's a great plot, great point to wrap up. Um, okay. But one, la- one last question that I wanted to ask, and I ask all the guests of the show this, is that because getting back to the concept of small moves, the concept of the entire website and the podcast and the blog and everything is trying to figure out what are those small incremental things that people can do that will make some massive impact if given the right amount of time. Right. That can be something that that, that could be a purchase, that could be a process, whatever it is. So a question that I like to ask everybody is if there were can you think of a purchase that you've made in recent memory, that was $100 or less that probably had the most dramatic impact on your life. It could be it could be subject matter specific. It could be about your real estate business. It could be about an app that you use to finally keep in touch with your grandkids because your yeah. kids are getting pissed that you're giving them too much sugar, yeah. so they won't let you talk to them. Yeah, right. what, whatever, whatever it is, like what, what what is something like that 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 listeners can actually go and maybe t- check out themselves. Well, I had a uh, fellow real estate agent uh, 
suggest this uh, this app to me, which I thought it's not really an app; it's a website that that it's a service thing. It's called Calendly. It's like calendar, but it ends with uh, ly and and, and Calendly dot com, and mm-hmm. it has a free application, or it has one with some more bells on it for eight bucks a month, or full all the bells and whistles for twelve bucks a month, which frankly is the one I use, mm-hmm. but it sets a little bit more than a hundred dollars. But but the point is is uh, you can use the free application just to, and they don't charge you a thing for the first thirty days, so you can kind of drive it and and oh, work with cool. it. But it works with Google, it works with Outlook, and what this does is you go to calendly.com backslash Bob Timble, for example. Mm-hmm. You can and you want to make a luncheon appointment with me. You could go on that website, pick the day that works for you, and it looks at and this application looks at my calendar without disclosing what I'm doing, just what my available times are. So if somebody wants to meet with me for an hour and a half, they can look at my schedule for the next 30 days and see the day that works best for their schedule and for mine. And automatically they'll put their name on there and it'll go on my schedule without having to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's so convenient and it's so helpful. And uh, it's it's really been good uh, for, for a lot of different applications. And someone just wants to meet with me for 15 minutes, like if it's just an agent or someone within the office. There's so many really good applications for it. So so that's the one that I don't know that it's been a dramatic, you know, change my life type thing. But it has eliminated phone tag for people that want to schedule. And as I'm going out to meet with agents and trying to, to generate some business for guaranteed rate, that's uh, that's it's been one that's already worked and uh, costs virtually nothing. So, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, anywhere from zero to twelve dollars. Yeah. I mean, so that's my yeah. suggestion. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's great. I, I actually, it's it's funny you say Calendly. I actually use Calendly. I've used it for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, I, I use it for when I'm scheduling my podcast interviews and when I'm scheduling other meetups with people. It, it's yeah. it really is fantastic. I can I can I can back you up on that. It's it's really good. Oh, good. Incredibly helpful, especially now. Because with now with the with the podcast, an issue that I'm running into is time zones. Because right. I'm it's like right now I'm interviewing people. It's like, yeah, you and I are face to face here here just outside of Baltimore, but I'm in the process of working on an interview with a guy in Australia. I've got a couple of people in Europe. I've got yeah. some people over on the West Coast, which yeah, it's only a three hour difference. But it's amazing how much that can get lost in translation. Sure. When you're talking to people, it's like, oh, our meet it's like our meeting's at two o'clock today. Two? Great, cool. And then you send an email to the person a half hour before the two o'clock call. They're like, oh, I thought that was Pacific time. Yeah, right. So they thought five. Like, right. oh, crap. Wait, yeah, let, yeah. let me see. And then you end up probably having to reschedule. That right. happened that happened to me with with a guest on the podcast last month. That exact situation happened. Yeah. He's from California. We thought he, he he thought we meant two. He was like he thought we meant two his time, right. not my time. Right. So it just it's fu- it's funny how it happens. So, and that system will automatically calculate it. Basically, it asks the question for whoever is trying to schedule. It asks them what time zone are you in. Right. So you answer that question, and it'll automatically change the times that they see on their yeah, end to right. their time so that it's ma- so that it makes sense in their language getting back to right. getting back to your platinum rule right it's like right. It, it, it translates things into their own language so that they can understand it now that's right. a great point all right um i think that's about it, it well I, I appreciate this opportunity i hope yeah, uh, if your listeners are interested and uh, can i do my commercial if i can you know you can. i was, I was gonna is, the next thing i was gonna ask yeah. is like if people want to yeah, track you down call or me find or, out about uh, you yeah uh, we have rate.com as our website for guaranteed rate. Uh, but my specific phone number, which is my son discovered, is a really easy number to remember. It's uh, 410-262, which spells Bob, 
2100. I know. And he's, he, he disparaged my manliness when he discovered the 262 spelled Bob. Said, that was what Sprint. I was looking for the 2100. I didn't know about the 262. I didn't care about the 262. But he just thought I was so goofy that I definitely wanted to have a phone number that said Bob 2100 because he too thinks I'm all full of myself for some reason. Yeah. But but the fact is if anyone has uh, a question, uh, whether it's real estate related or mortgage related, uh, if I don't know the answer, I know people who do. We've got a great company with some great opportunities. Rate.com will show you exactly what I'm talking talking about and uh, but thank you again for spending some time with me and let me ramble on like i did <laughs> no worries bob i appreciate it absolutely good thanks for you. coming in All right. hey everybody thanks again for listening to this episode of the small moves podcast this episode was brought to you by audible audible is the leading source of digital entertainment or audio entertainment on the web right now it's a company that's owned by amazon so it has the full resources of amazon.com behind it I've been a subscriber of Audible forever, for as far back as I can remember since I was driving around for a living, so probably 10 plus years now. I go through an enormous amount of audiobooks on a, on a weekly and monthly basis, and it's just been a wonderful resource for me. Uh, they have, you can buy audiobooks without a subscription or a membership to them. However, they are offering a special. 30-day free trial to audible.com at smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks. Go there and get any of the books that we talked about during this episode or anything else that might interest you. You'd be surprised at how many of the books that are now released, either new or old, um, have an audiobook component to them released at the same time. It's becoming an incredible way to consume books in a world where we don't necessarily have the time to sit around to sit around and read a book as much as we used to at least good books i should say as much as we used to besides that if you guys would be interested please log on to the community facebook page and give a follow over there and leave a comment of what you thought about my conversation with bob kimball today uh, the links to his all of the things that we talked about with him will be in the show notes uh, the website for the community page is smallmoves.co forward slash community that will take you where you need to go in facebook Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm really having fun with this new format. I really hope you guys are too. Uh, leave me a comment on the Facebook page if you have any questions or comments about the new format of the show now being twice weekly on Tuesdays and Fridays. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for listening. You've got this. <laughs>